This podcast series is brought to you by Elekanyani Ndlovu. For more details, visit elekanyani.com. My name is Elekanyani Ndlovu and welcome to Manifesto. Woman Manifesto is about telling, sharing and owning our own stories. My guest this week is Fumani Mtembi. Fumani is a co-founder of Billy Energy Group and the managing director of its subsidiary Knowledge Billy. Billy is the largest 100% black-owned independent energy and development company in South Africa. Full welcome to Womanifesto and thank you so much for making the time to talk to me and we can start unpacking your journey and your story. What do you think are some of the things people just don't see and all they see is 600 megawatts, Billy Energy Group, to people who aspire to have a business like Billy and to be in the renewable space? What does it take? I mean, the first thing, the reason that I encourage people to go into entrepreneurship, I want to say for philosophical reasons, not necessarily practical reasons. And I'm an advocate of entrepreneurship because I see it as just an aspect of social life, social and economic life that is about creating value. And for me, the added importance as an African of doing that is precisely around the fact that for so many years, our people were denied the opportunity to express themselves, to create value, to build a world that reflects who they are. I want to do things that express who my people are. And the building can be physical, can be intangible, but we have to build and rebuild who we are and make that tangible. And that's really why I encourage people for me, the, that encouragement is, is not necessarily around saying go pursue profit, but it's really my saying go and create new value for our society. Go and express who we are and let's catch up in a sense. You know, I don't like that term, but make up for lost time. Or one of the key ways in which we do it is by building, build the world that we were denied for hundreds of years, you know, mm. build it and make it tangible. Hence, I say my case for entrepreneurship is very much philosophical, even political. In the real sense of entrepreneurship, it's a very difficult thing to do. And it's made difficult by conditions that aren't necessarily supportive. If we were in a very conducive environment, I'd say absolutely everyone can do this. But we aren't necessarily in a conducive environment. And so it takes a lot of like a Goldilocks kind of condition, everything being just right. And if I had to say, you know, what are the Goldilocks dimensions of our business? The one is that we, from an individual perspective, come from families that were able to weather the storm. And when I say weather the storm, I'm not saying families have like trust funds or whatever. And I felt this particular, you know, when we started the Billy journey, it coincided with my dad's passing and I'm one of two children. And so, I mean, I, I knew that I had a responsibility, you know, I wasn't sent to school so that I could not make money, you know, mm. um, I had a responsibility. I had to look after my mom, but her ability to also continue working, be able to look after herself and even actually support me, you know, give me petrol money that I don't take for granted because that made it possible. I mean, my life was downscaled in the sense that my peers at the time were like buying the first apartments. I was living at home, you know, and working off an old laptop and that kind of thing. But being able to have some kind of 
economics we speak of an endowment you know and it's like what is your starting condition mm. and as much as my starting condition wasn't you know billionaire status i recognized that my starting condition was enough and for the five of us we had good starting conditions mm. it matters because you need a lot of endurance between when you start the business and when the business is really able to support you and that endurance phase and having not just the resources but having the relationships so the five of us being able to cohere we have never thought about money just as a thing and i know that for many businesses that becomes a huge issue early on you know we've never thought about money we've we've never thought in fact one of our problems is that we struggle to communicate about bad things so the kind of partnership dynamic that we have is one of those goldilocks dimensions for business and i'd say are you sufficiently secure in terms of your material conditions and it's also about your willingness to downscale you know we all mm. move back home and you know if you well not all <laughs> um <laughs> all but one yeah being able to work together with your partners to survive difficulty together is important the belief story you know for us is it's a gift and a curse we love telling the story because we were proud of it and also we see it as a, a as precisely what we always wanted it to be which is just an example of what is possible so many other great stories of black businesses and for me amplifying those stories is important because it also communicates to a baby version of myself what's possible and so that's the gift side of it the curse is that it sometimes communicates something that's really not true about who we are and we struggled with the media we had a huge issue with one of the sunday papers years ago and they had this big article calling us tycoons tycoons we really are not you know so things like that are disappointing and for me frankly i thought that was actually a very racist thing to happen because here we are obviously young black people building a business and the association is is tycoon i mean call me something else call me visionary i'll, I'll take that you know yeah. call me hard work that's what i'm i'm about but to call me a tycoon is to really dilute diminish um, yeah. this entire thing to something it's not about um 600 megawatts 800 megawatts yeah it's good to know but if you understand our business cycle you also understand that and you know you were there mm. we have project on paper that are five years away from generating revenue, you know, um, and for a long time, in fact, because we had a big political impasse in the country around the space, we hadn't even fully contracted those projects, you know. Now, in 2020, they're nearing the, the end of construction, we'll only start um, operating. So the brand is important, as I've said, for reasons that for me are about society and history, but in, in trying to really draw a link between megawatts and the real size of our business and I'd say to people that don't even bother you can ask me the question and I'll tell you you know how many people do we hire okay now we're sitting at almost 40 okay we're growing you know mm. um, those are the more concrete things how many projects are operating okay you know these are operational projects how many of those projects do we operate okay of the portfolio of eight we operate six now you start to have an understanding mm. of what we're doing that's practical but when i say we're operating those projects you best believe i'm talking we have a lot of risk that we're managing we have a lot of stress and anxiety we, mm. that that is the reality of our business right and we put ourselves in that reality because we had a choice to make and i've often criticized 
the way in which triple BE and, and transformation policy is played out in business for Black people. Because I think we misunderstood the link between ownership and operations for Black people to own assets that they do not operate. And I find that very disempowering. Of course, the upside could be that you just sit pretty and you wait for millions. If you choose to operate a business, which is what we chose, you know, then sure, the millions come in, but they go out just as quickly. They're paying salaries, they're buying equipment. That's been our journey because we're trying to build an operational entity hmm. that we and understand, you know, that we are in, in, in charge of. And it's a 10, 20, 30 year journey. And I'm learning not to be in a rush. I really think everything that's worth it takes time. You need certain conditions to be in place. You need to be aligned with your partners. You need to be able to endure. You definitely need to be able to erase the noise, be in your, your mid-20s, late-20s, early-30s, and not have the things that your peers have. None of us were married, we didn't have children, we didn't have houses, we didn't have all these things that are signifiers of progress at all those, those critical milestones. We didn't mm. have that, and yet you have to shut it out and have your own vision of life, you know, and yes. anchor to that. And if you're unable to do that, it really, you'll have unnecessary doubt. But I guess in saying that, the other thing I'm saying is something's got to give, right? So the sacrifices have to be made. In my experience, it's very hard to have it all, you know, yeah. or have it all at the same time or have it all according to the linear order that is presented to us. You, you must be willing to make sacrifices and potentially lose out on certain things because the timing just didn't pan out. Having a job is not a bad thing. Having a great job and a great organization, particularly from a black and female perspective, we need to occupy all the spaces. Go run a bank, you know, go do it. <laughs> yeah. um, if you want to just go a bit harder, then something's got to go. The journey of starting something, I mean, having started Billy, that must have been quite a journey. It is a journey. Look, okay, so we're 11 years in, having started in 2009. So it feels like a long time relative to maybe how old I am now. It's like a third of my life as, as mm. someone who's somewhat conscious. So it's, you know, a huge chunk of time dedicated to this one thing. But if I'm really honest, it's clear to me now that it could be another 10 or 20 years before Billy is what we envisaged when we started the business. Mm. Um, when I say what we envisaged, we didn't think about it from the perspective of an organization. So there was never a meeting where we sat and were like, we are going to have a thousand employees. The big thing was the kind of impact we want to have. If I had to articulate what I wanted in terms of the organization, the sum of it would be a different kind of place to work. So yeah. having worked in corporate you know, we need to build an organization where there's fairness, there's transparency, there's a very entrepreneurial spirit throughout the business. But I'm also learning that things take time. If you're really building and you're building for the future, things take time. I also struggle with my personal sort of place in that journey. Like, do I see myself at Philly for another 11 years? The immediate answer is, oh, absolutely not. Yes. Um, but I <laughs> my commitment to Billy has to be certainly for another 10 to 20 years in order to really build the organization that we wanted to build. In terms of our social impact, which is really what motivated us, we wanted to build firstly an enterprise where Black people could be Black 
and thrive. Um, mm. And when I say black, not have to perform whiteness, think of the, the category of black almost as interchangeable with the category of being a woman because yes. it's been just as important to me that the women at Billy don't need to perform manhood, whatever that is. Um, mm. I guess it started from a very personal place because I am this female partner amongst these men and it, it's mattered to me that I can be an equal, be a partner. It's manifest in so many ways. The one is just as a function of my work, focused on development. That can be a very like feminine kind of thing, right? Oh, you're yeah. developing the communities of, you know, typically in a, in a corporate, they kind of put that work into the CSI space and I'd, I'd talk at length about how the work we're doing is not CSI, but of course I understand its um, similarities. But very often, even in, in corporates, CSI, corporate affairs, you give that to women. and Yeah, so along with it, HR. Exactly, with HR, and, you know, because these are very, like, feminine things. And it's been important for me to, firstly, not shy away from what I think is important, that as a human being, caring, nurturing, building society is an important value and, and should be something men and women do. But, and my being a woman doing that work shouldn't put me off. But at the same time, it's also been important to manage the pull towards things that the market values, which are obviously things men do, right? Mm. Um, having started off in banking, the question is always, why did you not just become a banker? Because there's this <laughs> yes. associated value, right, with doing work in investments and finance and whatever. And in, in our business, there have been moments where we could have easily sort of focused a lot of our, our attention on just that. And the presumed prestige of that work has been important, one, for me to shy away from, but also in building knowledge belly and building a team of people that need to value their work as equal. It's not about anything being better, higher. When I say it's equal, the implications thereof are around wanting a very smart team, a talented team. I want to be in the same talent wars as McKinsey because I, I don't think development work is something you kind of just get up and do because, oh, you know, look, people are hungry and, you know, the, the answer is feeding them. It's very complex. It requires an understanding of big macro level issues. We, we set out to impact on the the structure of of. South Africa, you know, South Africa's economy. And when I say the structure, it's firstly being in this renewable space means approaching infrastructure very differently. And that obviously sort of changes the dynamics of, of an industry. It's not something we're doing single-handedly. We're one of many players, but it mattered to us that we're a part of something that really is shifting our society forward. One, there's that sort of sector play. And then there's, in respect of our communities, a complete reimagining of space. How else can we think about a township? How else can we think about a village or a peri-urban community? And being willing to sort of formulate a critique of what's happened mm. um, that is also constructive. Those big, big hopes, I think, are not things that we can achieve in, in 10 years. When we started, you know, I was fresh out of my master's program and I had intentionally chosen not to do a PhD because I was like, all I need is 10 years of like real experience on the ground. <laughs> and I, I had this number, you know, like 10 years is what I need. <laughs> and, you know, if I just put in 10 years, then I will be credible academic. I have my days where I'm like, yes, I just need to go back to academia, you know. But that's what I thought it was all about. 
yeah, like life is humbling in that way. Absolutely learned a lot in this period, but there's still so much to be done. Now I'm thinking 20 to 30 years, I'm like obsessed with Oprah because she just is like the answer to every question I have. I always think about how long that show was on TV for, and we forget now that it's in the past, but she, you know, she will say like, she woke up for 30 years and did the exact same thing. But you wake up, you go and you deliver a talk show. And so the impact is accumulated. You know, things don't happen overnight. And I think that that's something I have a, a deeper appreciation for now. It's interesting that you bring that up because we don't think about it right at the end of the journey, that the reality is that the person that you're now seeing making an actual impact has been at it for a long time for years and i was looking at the elections now the american elections with uh, joe biden and and trump <laughs> interestingly there's now a video going around of him as a senator back in 1986. yes, yes. yeah and i was like Gee, so this guy has been in this for a long time for almost as long <laughs> as i've been alive almost you know? okay maybe not but <laughs> It's almost. It really is almost. Yeah. You know? So, and I think part of the reason why I want to have some of these conversations is to bring out exactly that narrative and that message, especially to our generation, right? Because I remember thinking by 40, I probably would have done this and this and this and that. And I mean, now yeah. it's it's two years left for me. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah. You had such great <laughs> ideas, you know? So time and the function of time is, is very interesting for me. And it's beautiful to hear you articulate that you've been in it for 11 years. And what you've learned in these 11 years is that you need more time if you're going to do anything meaningful. And therefore, instead of this just being some other thing you're doing, this becomes your work and this yeah. becomes what you are delivering to this world. I've been having conversations around that to say the notion of work for me, like your work, your craft becomes a lot more easier to process the timing thing versus a job. So what the sense I'm getting from you is that you, you've sort of taken this journey and say, this is my work. This is what I would need to do if I'm going to make a difference. It's very inspiring to listen to and to hear. But not without doubt and concern, right? So it's not like I'm, I'm like, I absolutely know <laughs> what I'm going to be yes. doing and this is it. There are many moments, I mean, just two years ago, we were like, you know, we, we need to leave this business. You know, we were hiring for new MDs. And, and a part of that was exhaustion because it, mm. it, it's also, it's tiring to do the same thing and observe what feels like marginal progress. We were completely convinced by these big story the steve jobs and those type of stories where do this thing in fact i remember i don't know if you recall when like memes used to be emails like when we were in varsity right like things that were trending <laughs> you yes. got an email and there used to be this like famous story that went around around how michael jordan was so rich and you know he's this basketball player then bull gates you know <laughs> and it's like yes. bull gates multiple times wealthier so do this entrepreneurship thing 
So it's all good and well to buy into that and you need to buy into it in order to start a business or not so much to become a mega billionaire, but to believe that in doing this, you can actually sustain yourself. You need examples that say there is a path, there is a way, <laughs> but it's a huge bet that you place on this journey. It is tough, it's a journey and there is a bread and butter aspect to it. The thing you buy into just as much as you buy into the entrepreneurship story, despite the difficulties of it, in terms of really figuring out your work, it's the same kind of thing. You know, you want to have very clear conversations with yourself to say, you know, who am I in the world? Why do I exist? I'm a really big believer in every single person having a unique purpose and contribution. Yeah. Um, it's really hard to stay in your lane because firstly, few of us have like one talent. Most people are capable of multiple things. And yeah. so you may be capable of something that seems lucrative. You know, we we're chatting the other day about a, a friend who's like really pretty. And so she's kind of in this dilemma of like, do I just remain a professional or do I become a, an influencer? <laughs> you know, like that. And it's that kind of because it, it looks so much easier, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, it does. They make it look easy, right? But I bet if we spoke to them, they would be able to tell us that it's not. It probably isn't. Yeah, like nothing is easy. And, and maybe for someone who was born for it, that's the thing. You're an engineer, you're doing this podcast. None of those things are easy, but because mm. they really align with who you are, you're willing to live through the difficulty mm. of it. Finding your work is a process. And the tension I'd say for me is, is trying to figure out whether my work is always going to be bound to Billy. You know, so I know who I am. There's so many ways to express that as well. You know, so I could, I don't know, go find a job at the United Nations. Because there are many ways of, of doing things. Yeah. yeah, true. Or you could just go back to academia, like you said, Elia, you know. Reach from the lofty towers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then in terms of development on the ground and the big, massive projects that we've had in this country, is it translating the things that are written into the documents and what's supposed to happen? Is it really translating? Well, look, when knowledge Billy is involved, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Everything we do is perfect. Everyone else, I don't know. <laughs> look, you know, and I, again, I want to take the long view on this. The long view, and maybe I'll again take it back to something very personal. So my mom um, grew up in a, a mining town, a mining community mm. called Comet or Ecomet, just outside Boxburg. And there was a big gold mine there. And her father was an administrator and the whole family grew up around there. If you, if you ask me what's the relationship between big projects and communities, my answer is there's a, there's a clear line. And I've seen how a big project or a big employer can anchor the evolution of an entire town and then in the whole Boxburg area is a function of gold mines. The mines no longer exist, but Boxburg is up and running and, and there's a lot going on there. But if I reflect specifically on Comet as the primary host community where the bulk of the black working class related to that mine resided, I, I see a lot of problems in that kind of development model because when I was small to me going to my mom's family home was like going to this idyllic 
community. The houses looked like little townhouses. You know, it wasn't a typical ballroom setup of a township. Everything was really nice. And even the stories she'd tell about what the mine would do for the community, it was all cool. But the impact of the mine shutting down was most felt in that community. So as much as Boxburg, the bigger story, you know, the town is well established, mm. that little community has regressed. Now, Comments is not really a place I'm, I'm trying to go to, you know. Mm. Um, and so what I know about development is that big assets can trigger development. The real challenge is, is finding the link between that trigger to long-term sustainability. Mm. So the, the question, is it working well, you know, really most power plants are sort of five, six years into having some kind of impact on the communities that host them. Mm. So they're still far. And it can't be those power plants alone. One needs to have a broader strategy. As I say, what I absolutely understand, I don't know if you, you did geography. One of the things you learn about geography and human settlement is that human beings settle around key geographic features, right? And typically, where we now see a town, there would have historically been, say, water as the pool, mm. and then society has sort of modernized towns are also built around let's say a railway in the sort of later phase of modernity that we're living in that same thing what would have been the river is an industry big cities are built around industries the idea that power plant has the ability to really convert that space into a flourishing economy for me is an absolute certainty one can't take an approach that's very sort of laissez-faire and trickle down so well you know this is here and therefore naturally good things will happen that's not mm. what happens if it's to be intentional but the added component to it is and and this is now my speaking with a knowledge belly perspective mm. is understanding that communities have to be industrialized it can't just be that we have one wind farm a community of twenty thousand people and you hope that development will happen. Rather, we need to think of our investments in those communities in terms of how we further industrialize the community. So now we have a wind farm, but is there a prospect for us to use the gains of that wind farm to build yet another industry and yet another industry? Mm. And that's how, and going back to the Boxburg example, Boxburg is connected to, you know, Germston, which is Africa's biggest industrial hub, right? So. Yeah. As a function of these mines, you then have industry and then, oh, guess what else is in the area? The biggest airport on the continent and, mm. you know, aeropolis because so much flows and function of our tumble also being in the space. So at some point in history, all we had were mines in that area. Mm. And as a function of that and wanting to uh, beneficiate and export, you then have industry from manufacturing perspective and, and an airport. Yeah. And so think about our work and then the reason that it's so clear to me that it's very long-term in nature is that it's about thinking of the wind farm as the mine you know that first thing that comes into a forgotten area mm. and then the question becomes what else is possible that is my job description in a nutshell. thank you for that oh, thanks Ella. this was awesome well, manifesto is about telling sharing and owning our own stories i would love to hear from you please share your thoughts ideas and experiences with me on erendlovu.com or send an email to womanifesto at
www.thepeopleshow.com. Until next week, thank you and God bless. Thank you.